This podcast is sponsored by WorthPoint. Find out what your antiques are worth at worthpoint.com. All right, I'm on the line with Lee Calfon. How are you, Lee? I'm doing good, Martin. How are you today? Good. Thanks for joining us. And the reason you're on this podcast is you read one of the guest blogs on my uh, forum website. It bothered you because it was a little bit of a bash against young people not getting involved in antiques. And you're here now to explain that that's not true, right? That's correct. Okay. Let's hear a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, I hold a bachelor's degree from Auburn University in history, and I have a graduate certificate in museum studies from the University of Washington. Um, My focus has always been on material culture, which is just a very fancy word for stuff. So I'm a 25-year-old, and I like stuff. Antiques, vintage, modern, the whole nine. They used to call it chattel, which I think is always a funny word. (laughs) Yeah. Are you a collector yourself? I can I dabble. Um, I have quite a growing art collection as well as a collection of little cat things here and there. So um, I have a small collection, but small house, so small collection. Uh huh. What would you say is the overall feeling of people your age as far as the antiques go? You know, I hear a lot of you know you know young people aren't interested in antiques and young people would rather have a cell phone than you know something of real value and i think there's a real fatigue among my generation which quote unquote the millennial generation of hearing that i think we get very very tired of being told what we like and what we don't like and this is our fault and this isn't our fault i think we have a general idea of you know what we consider antique and I think there's value there, and I think it's largely overlooked by people who think that collecting antiques means you must collect the expensive, high-priced, big-ticket item. A lot of that stuff is out of our reach, certainly out of my reach. I don't know any 25-year-old that's making enough money to buy a Tiffany piece. I don't know, know anyone who's interested in buying that right now. What we're looking at as my generation begins to get interested in the antiques market is a lot of that mid-century modern things that we can buy at a reasonable price and make our own. And I think that holds a lot of interest for us. There's a lot of really good functionality when you talk about, you know, pieces in that era. And, you know, some of the things that kind of draws away from younger people in antiques is uh, having to look at it and not touch it. I think there's something to that. I think us as an industry really have to work on coming down a peg from our ivory tower Um, you take something that's antique and you you do. You say, look at it, appreciate it. You can't touch it. You can't use it. You're going to sit it in the corner of your house and heaven forbid you put your china in it because if you sneeze at it, it'll break. (laughs) And you think that's a very common misconception of antiques. And it's too valuable. You know what? I personally have never had anything. Well, uh, I take that back. I had had an important Chippendale wing chair at one time. But for the most part, these things were made to be used and passed down and used. You know, when you're talking about the average American antique, it was very well made, made to last, and uh, I like to have things in my house that I can use, so I totally understand why um, a lot of people shy away from things that they've been told are too valuable and you can't sit in it or whatever it is. Right. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's, it's fragile. Mm-hmm. You know, you're looking at a, a quality-made antique. It's going to be able to be used. 
and used for a long time. You're talking about something that was made 100 years ago. It's been passed down. You know, if the younger generation, and I think we are, we're very interested in being green and economically responsible, looking at buying antiques is a really great way to harness some of that, you know, environmental responsibility and being sure that we're keeping things out of landfills and keeping things that are quality made and we're not buying things from a big box store that's $30 worth of particle board that's going to end up in the trash. Well, I love to hear that. The term you hear, I've had uh, Kari Kuxi on, Cash and Kari. You know, her big thing is repurpose. Um, so is there a, a kind of a repurpose movement out there? Absolutely. I see people come into, you know, the auction house where I work all the time, buy things, clean them up. They send me pictures and say, look what, you know, I bought this at your auction. Look what I did. It's a whole new thing. And it looks fantastic. And it fits within their lifestyle. And it's a really nice way to take an antique and make it your own. I think there's a huge movement towards that. A lot of people my age, we don't mind putting in the work. We like the idea of taking something and making it our own. Mm-hmm. And I think that repurposing Cash and Curry, all those shows have really driven that movement. And I think it's, it's great. Young families, you know, you buy a piece of furniture, you can get it relatively inexpensively, throw a coat of paint on it, let the kids crayon on it, draw on it, you know, do, mm-hmm. let them do what they'll do, and you're not all that upset. Yep, again, back to functionality. Now, one of the things, uh, the movie, I guess, Wild Wild West, not not the original series, but the movie uh, that came out, sort of got a movement called steampunk rolling. Uh, that's what I understand how it started. Um, what do you know about the steampunk items? After living in Seattle, I know a little bit about steampunk. Um, it's a very popular movement out there, but the the steampunk movement really centers around Victorian-era items, repurposing them with a, a modern twist. You know, and I think yeah. steampunk, I think, I think the goggles, and I think, you know, dusters, and I think gear grinders and things like that, and taking them and actually using them in both a functional way in dress and also in decorative arts. Mm-hmm. Um, those things are really fascinating to come by, and people put a lot of time and effort into that. I see and I that. Think it's it's absolutely wonderful. Steampunk's very, very specific. You're looking at, you know, one item and a swamp meat of a thousand. Right. Um, and as far as, you know, maybe altering something Victorian, you know, I've seen, like, I was at a show where in Chicago and there were some very interesting concepts, but nothing really too valuable was used. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you can't destroy those antiques. And for one thing, unfortunately, Victorian furniture and a lot of Victorian items are, well, right now they're not hot. I'll just put it that way. There's not too too much as far as I would consider damage out there. I mean, there's just been a lot of fun objects made, you know, with compositions of Victorian pieces. I agree wholeheartedly, and I think, you know, the museum person in me shudders when I hear, you know, repurpose something Victorian. I go, oh, why are you destroying it? But at the same point, I think you have to make, it's a really nice way to make history accessible to you. It's something that is, you know, has historic value. It may not be a high-priced, high-ticket item, but it's something that has value to you, and I think that's the cornerstone of collecting anything. If you're into steampunk, if you're into Victorian, you know, that would be the cornerstone of your collection. Mm-hmm. How does someone your age look for things when they're collecting today? You know, I think the Internet has become a wonderful tool for um, collectors. You're going to get online, you're going to talk to people who are interested in collecting the same things you are, who have the same interests, 
and they're going to say, oh, you know, I was out driving around and, you know, I came across this flea market and they had, you know, six pictures of cats and you would have loved it, Lee. Or, you know, you get on Facebook and somebody posts a picture of, you know, something they bought at auction. And word of mouth for the millennial generation is huge. We are the media generation. I think, you know, social media, the instant access to information will continues to drive the consumer market for our generation. I think that's something our industry has been a little slow to adopt. Hmm. Um, and I think that's really where the future lies in bringing in that younger generation, is reaching out to them in the way that they are consuming. Oh, absolutely. And what about eBay? Is that one of the things? eBay is certainly one of those things, but I think, at least in my opinion, we as a generation seek that instant gratification. And if you're going to an auction, I think there's nothing like the instant gratification of a live auction. I agree. You're there, you get, you can be competitive, you bid competitively, and you get to walk out with that item in your hand. Mm-hmm. One of the buzzwords out there, I think, for younger people, as I have attended some shows, is uh, vintage. Can you talk about that? I think vintage is a really broad-reaching term that can mean almost anything. Um, antiques has generally had quote-unquote metrics, although I think those metrics have been lost. Vintage is sort of a lazy catch-all to describe any item with any age. Right now, even 1980s could be described as vintage. And you know, I'm, you know, I was born in the 80s. I'm clearly not vintage, but <laughs> those 80s items are considered quote-unquote vintage. And I think it's a catch-all phrase. But what I do think is interesting is items that are marketed as vintage tend to sell much better than an item that is marketed as an antique even if they are similar items. Isn't that something? Now, I was on a forum, not my own forum, but I was on a forum a while back, and there was a heated debate that I actually got involved with on what the word vintage actually means. It was pretty interesting to hear so many people chime in with their different takes on what vintage means. And, you know, there there is no hard line, and I think it, as you said, it ended up being more uh, people agreeing that it was kind of a catch-all. Exactly. It's really, it's a catch-all phrase, and, you know, a perfect example of this is um, as my little guinea pig test subject, I called up my best friend and I said, okay, Laura, I'm going to send you two pictures. One of these is a vintage item, one of these is an antique item. Which one would you buy? Two very similar Duncan Five style tables, and lo and behold, she said she'd buy the vintage one. Same thing, same era. There's something about vintage that really appeals to this generation. Wow. So people listening out there, if you have an antique shop, just go out and change the sign to vintage shop. (laughs) I don't think that's necessarily where we're going. I think we need to work on rebranding the word antique in a way that's more palatable to Uh, this next generation. If you thought you had a crystal ball in front of you and you were looking into the future of collecting beyond your years, say the next generation up, where do you think it's heading? That's a very interesting question. I think if we all had crystal balls, we'd all be worth a lot more money. Yeah. Um, I see a reinsurgence in some of the decorative pieces, decorative arts, home decor pieces, things like that. Um, some things, you know, I'm not sure will ever recover, things mm-hmm. like fine china. Mm-hmm. I know my generation doesn't entertain like they used to. That's right. And I don't, you know, I think we'll probably end up passing that sort of 
I guess, laziness along to the generation behind us. You know, if I can't put it in my dishwasher, eh, I'm not buying it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, there's some things that might never recover to where they were, but I do see a, a big resurgence in decorative arts, you know, furniture and decor items and things like that. And I think as my generation ages and we get more disposable income, those are going to be some of the things we're going to be looking to put in our homes. Mm-hmm. Something comes into vogue and it's collected and it always changes. So whatever is hot right now is going to be cold one day. And right now, the way the Asian market is so hot, it's hard to believe that that'll cool down. But, you know, it possibly will, at least in the American market anyway. I, I don't disagree with you. And I think the other thing that's going to really heat up down the road is as the millennial generation does get that disposable income, they're going to be looking to collect things that are nostalgic from their childhood. Mm-hmm. So right now, while like Hot Wheels and Matchbox red lines are you know, selling for crazy money, <laughs> I think perhaps in 20 years or so you're going to be seeing strawberry shortcake and Care Bears and those sort of things that are nostalgic for our childhood pick up. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to what you were just saying a few minutes ago about the China, I totally agree with that, and I don't see that any time soon something's going to change because I was involved in a weekly appraisal clinic, and I heard over and over again, week after week, my grandchildren, my children don't want this, they don't entertain like we used to, and along with silver, you know, sterling silver flatware and things like that. Now, I will say this, though, the sort of modern flatware, something really unusual, still holding its ground, but a lot of times things are reflected in the cost of precious metal, silver, and stuff like that for what they'll sell for. Absolutely, and I think, you know, along those lines of, you know, the kids don't want it, and this is grandma's china, this is grandma's, you know, chair, or whatever it is. I think, you know, this generation coming up, my generation, we didn't grow up living in the same house for 40 years. The liquidation of assets has really changed in the past 10 years. Hmm. You know, families have changed. There's way more divorces. There's way more moving. You know, people my age are less attached to, you know, mom and dad's and grandma and grandpa's stuff because there's less, you know, we don't grow up with that same tradition of valuing those things because, you know, we live, we live more mobile lives. Wow. And it's, it's just a fact. Yeah, there is a change in the family dynamics that uh, really is the root of what is happening. And it doesn't mean we don't value those items of material culture. It just may mean we're a little bit more interested in items that suit our lifestyle, which is more mobile, which is more fast-paced. You know, Grandma's China, you can't put it in the dishwasher. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, to me, it's always a deal-breaker. Can I put this in the dishwasher? Can I put that press pattern glass in the dishwasher? No. Okay, well, (laughs) don't really need it then. Mm -hmm. Um, You see that that move to the form and function. Does this suit the function, and is it easy to care for and maintain? It's one thing to buy an object, piece of carnival glass, and stick it in your hutch as a display thing. If you're looking for something that's functional, you're going to want it to be easy to maintain as well. So what is Lee doing to keep her generation interested in vintage and antiques? Well, I think it, it starts here in my, you know, gross outrage at that blog post, reaching out to you, getting the word out. We are, you know, we are a generation of word of mouth, Twitter, Facebook, 
every time I tell one of my friends, you know, we're all in our late 20s, early 30s, young families, I say, I work at an auction house. Oh, my gosh, that's so neat. I never thought, you know, about going to auction to buy things for my house. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a house furnished with stuff I've found at auction. Right. Uh, great things, wonderful things. And every time I talk to somebody, I always hear, I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, the best way to get the next generation interested is to reach out and tell them about the possibilities of buying things from a secondary market, whether it's auction, whether it's flea market, whether it's at an antique show, whatever it is. I think you know, a lot of it's going to come with word of mouth. And I think that also comes with showing people that things, these things are accessible to you. You don't have to go to Ikea, buy your particle board, and put it in your Honda Civic. You know, there are real quality things that are available to you. You just have to know where to look. And I do think this generation is willing to look and willing to go out and find the pieces that they're going to love. I think you just have to show them and tell them that it is available. And I don't know that the secondary market is really reaching out to them in the same way. You get a lot of that right off. Of, of that generation. You're not marketing to them, you're not reaching out to them, and therefore they're not coming. For us, it's a, an adapt or die as an industry. The consignments will continue to come. The baby boomers will start to retire. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a buyer pool, we're dead in the water. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. And, you know, I've been in the auction business really, basically all my life, and when I tell people that, they are curious about auctions, but most people think that it costs money to go into an auction. Have you heard anybody say that? Does it cost anything to get in? I've heard lots of people say that, and I think, you know, part of the, the unsureness about coming to auction is really a lack of education on the part of the consumer about what it means to come to an auction. Um, that's something we, we, you know, as an auction industry, really do have to fight against. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a real movement to that. You've got those shows. You mentioned Cash and Kari a little bit ago, there's all those auction shows, yes. but they want to watch it because they want to understand, and they want to understand how it works. I hear people say, oh, I would love to come to auction, but I'm afraid I'm going to sneeze and buy something for a million dollars. I've heard that so many times. It's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the most common one I hear, and you know, it, it almost makes me laugh at this point because you know, it's, it's so silly. I think as, you know, as an industry, there's the interest there in the younger generation. We have to capitalize upon that. And we really have to sort of fight to educate those coming in, saying it's free to come in. Come in, look around. It's free to get a number. It's free to play the game. You know, you're not going to sneeze and buy a million-dollar item. I've been auctioning since I was 15 years old, and I've never sold anything to someone that didn't want to buy it. <laughs> you know, Exactly. So, yeah. um, part of the things I'd like to work on, you know, down the road is doing sort of a a YouTube demystifying auction, you know, sort of instructional video saying, you know, this is how the game works. This is how it works when you come in the door. And you can come here and sit and scratch and sneeze, and you're going to be just fine. And you're going to walk out with something really amazing if you're interested. You know, there's so many opportunities to get something really great secondhand, whether it's at an auction or a flea market or anything else. If you really sort of make people less afraid to come in, you know, whether it's they're afraid that, you know, it's an antique and you're going to break it or they're afraid they're going to bid on something that they're not going to want. You know, you have to really work on sort of breaking down that stigma 
and I think once we, we sort of begin to do that, you're going to see more young people coming to auction, coming to flea markets, coming to the antique shows. You know, you have to make it accessible to the people. That's right, and to get that fear factor out of it. Well, thank you so much. You've been absolutely excellent, and I hope your generation does continue its survival for us all. Yes, I hope so, too, and thank you for having me, Martin. I really appreciate it. So this is Martin Willis with Lee Calfon, and we're signing off. This podcast is sponsored by WorthPoint. Find out what your antiques are worth at worthpoint.com.